0: Welcome back Fit Family, it's Viv and Kate and today we have a very exciting episode because we are talking all about our best tips for hitting your macros and our macro hacks and I'm so excited because this is the area that I feel like most people need help with. I know for me it was definitely the area that I struggled with the most and these tips have been invaluable to me. Katie, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, food is my favorite topic to talk about, to live in my life. I, I love food. So the idea of um, when I first started my journey, I, I think everyone thinks this, like you're going to have to be restricted and you're going to have to cut everything out and you're going to have to eat salads all the time. Like that is not what we're going to preach to you. I think when we give you our macro tips, it's really about how to weave it into your lifestyle. So thinking about how how you can manipulate your non-negotiables or things that you have to eat and how you can still go out and be social and still fit it into your lifestyle. So, I think today is going to be really invaluable tips.
0: Ooh, I totally agree and we have to start off this podcast with your first experience tracking because I feel like it gives such good insight into what especially if you're someone that has never tracked before, maybe you're just you listen to our podcast, you're interested in it, but you've never done it. What was your experience like when you first started tracking your macros?
1: Well, the first hurdle is grocery shopping, right? Like if you're going, if you're like me going from eating out multiple meals a day to, okay, cutting that all out and cooking at home for everything. I think the first hurdle is grocery shopping, understanding like, how to purchase whole ingredients, how to create a meal plan for yourself and like what that looks like for your lifestyle. So for me, that was the first trick. And I think, um, when I first started cutting, especially I focused on whole foods, right? So I would go and I would get potatoes, meats, rice, vegetables, and like, I would just create meals around that. So I knew I could manipulate them a bit easier than trying to figure out serving sizes of things that were like prepackaged and pre-cooked and stuff like that. So that's how I started. I would say, um, a big tip is reading up on macros. Like if you're not comfortable, do the research. You don't have to do a ton, but I think read one or two articles and it'll help you understand kind of how to weigh your food. Like you do have to buy a scale. You do have to be very meticulous in, um, weighing and portioning and mapping it all out. Like it is very scientific. Like I would think of it like a math equation. Um, so when I first started, that was just a hurdle, but I think once you do it five times, it's like, super, super easy.
0: So when you started weighing your food, had you ever weighed your food before that?
1: God, no, I don't think I ever looked at serving <laughs> size. Like really? I I don't think I, I always thought serving sizes were just fake, right? Like when you look at a serving size, I think it looks ridiculous. It'll be like, like one bag of popcorn is like actually seven servings or something when, when like normal people eat a whole bag in a sitting. Right. So I think I have never, never thought about serving sizes. So weighing is almost just another subset of that. Um, and I'd never, I didn't have a scale. I didn't understand it. So that was, I mean, it's a big knowledge gap, but I think, um, again, once you start doing it, it becomes so normal. Like now, if I don't weigh my food, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, well, it just
0: was it straightforward? I mean, cause I feel like weighing your food, even if you are new, I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Like you literally just put it on the scale. But did you, I mean, I've been weighing my food and tracking my macros for so long that maybe I just have forgotten what it's like to be a beginner. So, I mean, when you first did it, was it confusing?
1: It's confusing because you don't know. So, for example, the biggest thing I struggled with was do you weigh things before you cook them or after? Um, so, okay. That's a, that is a big question that I get. Yeah. So, so for meats, for example, I think, I think what they always say is like, obviously when you cook something, it reduces down. So the volume, like when you weigh it, it's going to be drastically less weight. So you have to make sure you're tracking that appropriately. So if you're tracking raw meat, great. It's going to look a little different than if you track cooked meat. Like you might, be able to get more macros out of more meat if you cook it first if that makes sense so technically the components are all the same but the amount you're eating is going to change the way you weigh it
0: you know i think that's a great thing to talk about because i actually think a lot of people don't know that there is a difference in the macros of a food depending on if you're going to weigh it pre-cooked versus post-cooked so just for example Let's say you are tracking four ounces of beef. Well, if you input four ounces of... Or okay, let's... If you weigh four ounces of raw meat, it's going to weigh a lot more than four ounces of... Well, technically... So, okay. I'm to, <laughs> okay, you know what I'm trying to yeah, say, Katie. Right, but yeah, you're Okay, so you have four ounces of raw meat, right? Well, when you cook that four ounces of raw meat what happens in the cooking process is that you lose a lot of the water.
1: moisture.
0: yeah. So, yeah, and so um, when you cook that same four ounces of raw meat after you, after you cook it, it's not going to be four ounces. It's probably going to be closer to three ounces. So w- that's just to say that if you are going to weigh out your meat, you want to input it in MyFitnessPal the same way that you weighed it. So in MyFitnessPal, when you log a food – It'll actually say for a, for most uh, for most foods, and if it doesn't say if it doesn't clarify, then I just wouldn't pick that option. But it'll say raw beef or it'll say cooked beef. So if you weigh your beef cooked, then obviously pick the cooked beef and then input the weight that you weighed for that beef. Mm -hmm. But if you weighed it raw, then you want to click an option that says raw beef. I personally always weigh my food raw so that I do not have to worry or remember like, did I weigh this cooked or did I weigh it raw? I standardize it so that I'm always weighing it raw. So I always know that if I'm going to put it in my fitness pal, I'm going to look for something that says raw beef raw chicken, raw turkey, raw whatever because I know that I'm always weighing it raw. Do you weigh yours raw or do you weigh yours after cooking?
1: No I weigh it raw and, and that kind of changed so I in the beginning I was meal prepping heavily just so I, I knew exactly what I was eating. I didn't want to have to cook every day whatever. In that process I was batch cooking and I was dividing into portions and it got really complicated really fast. So I I think about ground turkey. When you buy ground turkey at a store, it comes in like a block, right? So I was then, you know, if I wanted to be really precise and weigh it raw, I was portioning it first and cooking 18 times. And that's just crazy, right? I was cooking it for every meal I was portioning versus cooking all of that ground turkey, weighing it in its entirety after it's cooked, dividing it out into portions based off that weight so that that ended up being easier so I think there are multiple ways you can do it but I think raw for me is more consistent and I just have an easier time with it
0: so it sounds like if you are going to meal prep like if you're going to batch cook your meat then you should weigh it cooked right yeah I think so I agree it's going to be a lot easier um but if you are cooking on the fly like if you're just making your meal right then and there and you're not cooking for the whole week weigh it raw, it's gonna be a lot easier. So what I actually do is for example, I've been eating a lot of 96% lean ground beef. And it comes in a in a package, like like Katie said, it comes in like a square. And this square is 16 ounces. For the entire the entire amount, it's 16 ounces. What I do is I cut that block into six even squares. And so the math on that, if you are not a math whiz, the math on that would be 16 ounces divided by six. I believe that comes out to about 2.67 ounces. So in my Fitness Pal, I would input 2.67 ounces of raw beef because that is the weight of it raw. So hopefully that just gives you, um, you know, a real example, an idea of how exactly you mm-hmm. would weigh your meat raw. Um, and then, yeah, if if I personally, same thing. If I were to cook a huge amount of beef, let's say, what I would do then, let's say I'm cooking the, that 16 ounces. Um, I'm cooking that 16 ounces all at once. So then what I would do is I would just cook it all and then I would put, I would separate that into, um, I would separate like, I would separate each portion into a meal prep container and then i would just weigh out the amount for each container um and when you separate it it's not always going to be exact just because you're eyeballing so i would just say do your best to make it as even as possible just like by eyeballing and then you can weigh that amount um I don't know if you have a better way. Because I usually... Honestly, I usually cook on the fly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you have any better tips of how you would prepare it. Like portion it out. Yeah, and portion it out. Because I'm trying to think, how do you make it as even as possible? I
1: mean, I would literally... Oh, put a bowl down. Yeah. Zero out the bowl weight, add everything in. And then I would just do the math of the the post-cooked weight. So if your post-cooked weight was 14 ounces, divide that by six. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's, that's a much better way of doing it. It's a
1: lot of weighing and measuring though. So, but it's very precise.
0: I mean, I don't think it's a lot. It literally takes like less than a minute. That's true. You know, it takes less than a minute. And so even though we're describing like, oh, you weigh it and then you portion it, it may sound like a lot, but it literally takes less than a minute of your life. So, ultimately, I think we want to say, like, yes, it sounds like a lot, but at the end of the day, like, if you really want to eat, yeah, if you want to eat healthy, if you really want to make that lifestyle change, like, you're not going to make those excuses of, like, oh, that's too much work. You're just like, oh, like, Kate, I'm sure you never tell yourself this is so much work. No. Like, you may say it on the podcast, but I don't (laughs) think that you actually believe it because you always are consistent with it, and it's probably... Like, it's probably become easy to
1: you, right? Well, and I think that's the point of all of this, right? The point is you want to be as simple and easy as possible. Anytime you get complicated, anytime you feel like it's a pain, you're not going to do it. So that's, like, meal planning is a whole separate topic we can talk about. But when you are prepping, if you batch cook, again, it's you know, 15 minutes of your day, but you just saved yourself every cook time for the next seven days, right? So like you are setting yourself for up for success in, in that way. So I'd say like temporary pain is long-term pleasure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally agree. And like I said, I pretty much always cook on the fly, but that's because I work from home. So I'm not leaving to an office mm-hmm. for, you know, eight, nine hours of the day. I actually, I think at one point um, when I was in school, and when I used to uh, personal train in a gym versus online, I did actually meal prep, but it's been so long since I have. So I did wanna ask you, Katie, because I believe that if you are busy and you don't have time to cook on the fly like I do every day, meal prepping is absolutely gonna be a game changer and you accurately hitting your macros every day. And I know that you are a bit more well-versed with meal prepping than I am just because I haven't done it in mm-hmm. so long. So do you have any tips on how you make meal prepping, not even necessarily easier, but just like how do you meal prep, Katie? Like what what is the method that you do that hopefully our listeners can, you know, take from you?
1: Yeah, so – and again, it's totally personal preference. Like I'm okay eating the same thing every day for five days. If you're not like that, I would do maybe like a – like two meal preps a week. Like if you're someone who doesn't like microwaved food, like I know I'm kind of weird about that. I really don't like reheating my food every day for seven days. Like you can do where you're prepping kind of twice a week, like a Sunday prep and a Wednesday prep. And maybe you're doing the same meals the first three days and the same meals the last three days, like whatever. Um. So that doesn't necessarily make it easier. Like you just asked me, but it's kind of a tip I have for meal prepping. The other thing I would say is like, it's all about making sure you have on hand, Everything you need to be successful. So for me, meal pe- meal prepping is going grocery shopping, getting the exact measurements, making sure if I'm someone who snacks, which I totally am, having those snacks on hand, having just enough to get by, where I know I have exactly what I need to eat, nothing less, nothing more, and it kind of forces you to eat what you have. Because I think when I first started. Um, I would have my prepped food but I would have a lot of extra food and I would lean away from eating what I prepped and kind of munch on other things and it completely defeats the purpose. So I would say kind of really thinking about inventory and like making sure you set yourself up for what you need to be eating.
0: That is a great tip and even though I personally don't meal prep I have an idea of the foods that I'm going to be eating and I totally agree with you Katie because if I have like additional snacks or things that I know that I'm not planning to eat but I just have them like just in case because you never know I most almost always will gravitate towards those foods and you know if I'm bored or if I'm just like oh I don't feel like eating this but I always regret it later because the I mean anyone listening to this knows that we all have those in the moment feelings that later on down the road you're like why did I do that well it's because our emotions are so temporary and they're not very good indicators of what decisions that we should make. Um, And so just learning that, hey, like, if I have this accessible, uh, probably not going to go my way. Like, so I I really, I set myself up for success by only keeping the foods that I know that I'm going to be planning on having. And I have this rule with myself of if I really want something, then I will go out and get it in that moment. Like, if I really, really wanted something I'm really craving and I just have decided, like, hey, this is something I want, I'll go get it. But just having it in the house makes it way too easy and makes it way too accessible. And again, you are so we are so influenced by our environment. So like if it's there, you're going to think about it more because it's just in your environment. But if it's not there, you know what they say, out of sight, out of mm-hmm. mind. So I think that's a really, really good tip. Um, I remember, now that I'm thinking about it, when I did my first bodybuilding show in, I believe it was 2018, I meal prepped all of my meals. Um, I actually was working a not a nine to five job, but I would go in like three days a week and I'd go on for eight hours. And so I would be prepping on those days. And I just found that, um, setting my nights. So the night before I would just meal prep everything for the next day. So I wouldn't even meal prep for several days, but I would prep for that day. And I would just set aside 30 minutes to 45 minutes and just prep my meals. Um, And with, like, with any other habit in your life, again, if you make it just part of your routine, it's not, it's not a lot of work. It just has to be something that you get used to. So, like, if you're someone who has never prepped and this is the first time that you're meal prepping, it probably is going to feel like a lot of work just because, you know, you've never done it. Um, But I just want you to remind you that, hey, even if you're somebody who has never prepped your meals or even just, like, thought about planning your meals – anything that you do can become habit quite easily. You just have to do it continuously and be very, honestly, just be very determined to make it a daily habit and don't let yourself let additional Mm. excuses in, you know, like when you know what you want, when you have clarity of this is why I want to do this. I know it's going to make me feel better or I know it's going to help me make more educated choices. It's just a lot easier to execute on those actions. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that
1: well I was just one more tip I think um I would not immediately start prepping I think so I think you need to get a good understanding of portions and what's what certain ounces actually come out to you and what what makes you full like I remember prepping right off the bat and doing it solely based off of macros and just kind of playing with numbers and I remember being like really hungry at lunchtime because I ended up portioning something that was just ridiculously small because it fit the macros when really like I needed a bigger lunch and I needed less at dinner so I'd say like once you get a good understanding of what food looks like and portion sizes prepping becomes easier because you can estimate out what your meals need to be.
0: So if you don't think that people should go into planning
1: right away what should they do like what are the actual physical steps that you think that they should do? Well I think start with your items like your ingredients and I would say like do a couple of days where you're kind of mixing and I don't want to say mixing intuition and macros you should absolutely be following your macro plans but kind of going more closely to what you were eating because I think if you're going from giant meals to teeny tiny macro like you know if you're adjusting that hardcore it's going to be hard so I would just say as you're learning macros as you're learning portion sizes give yourself a little bit more grace and understanding and maybe it's times where you need more snacks but I would just say like portion as much as you can or maybe start with what you think the meal plan should be and adjust off of your hunger levels and then the next week you'll know okay I need more more protein in the morning I need more carbs at lunch I need this that and the other thing and you can kind of adjust based off of that
0: okay so it sounds like and I want to clarify this for our audience so they have like a very concrete picture of like what they should do um it sounds like go ahead and plan out your meals create a meal plan for yourself or if you have a coach what they're giving you or just even like a rough draft of items that you want to start incorporating start weighing and tracking those but be flexible Mm -hmm. and mindful with how you feel so for example if you planned a meal that hits a specific set of macros you're like oh this has this amount of protein carbs and fats it seems like a very well-rounded meal, but when you eat it, you're just like way hungry still or you're overly full, use that as a sign, hey, this is either too little or too much food. Mm -hmm. I am going to adjust. So that kind of sounds like the advice that you're giving, right? Exactly,
1: and I'll give an example. Like I, um, for a long time, I didn't want to bring microwavable food to work, so I would bring like a sandwich. I realized, like, I found a healthy deli meat. Like, I was doing a like an oven roasted turkey, whatever, lettuce wrap thing. I had to put so much turkey, so much turkey on my sandwich to like hit the protein I needed, and it was just ungodly how much deli meat I was consuming. And so there was a point where I was like, okay. I'm only eating this much because I planned it out without knowing what that really looks like. And as soon as I realized how much meat I had to consume, I had to drop it down I had to get protein elsewhere. Cause it was just heinous, but I was doing it based off of, I had a spot to fill in my protein and that's how I was filling it. And so I, I had to like portion it out elsewhere during the day.
0: How, how did you portion it out elsewhere? Oh my God.
1: Well, again, it's like realizing, okay, at breakfast I can eat more protein. I think I, was not eating a ton of protein in the morning for whatever reason. Um, Like I think I was on my oatmeal kick. And so I ended up like using protein powder to mix into my oatmeal and creating like a more robust breakfast. Um, So personally, I like to eat more in the morning and kind of taper down my meals throughout the day. That's just what works for me. Um, So that's what I started doing.
0: I like that. And I've noticed that a lot of my clients, they don't start off eating eating a lot of protein in the morning And then what happens is, yes, then you have so much protein to fill for lunch and dinner and it makes it that much more difficult. So it's a lot easier to and and we're I mean, me and Katie are talking about protein specifically because it's the macro that for most people is so difficult to hit uh, just because as a society, we're used to eating more carbs and fats than protein. And so with that being said, really making sure that you're portioning it out evenly throughout the day will make it so much easier so that you don't have to do what what Katie did and like eat like a crap ton <laughs> of deli meat because you feel like you have to hit your protein. You know, that's obviously not what we're trying to go for here. The point of macros is for you to be conscious of what it is that you're putting into your body and making more mindful choices so that you're not just overloading on fats one meal overloading on carbs one meal you're just making each meal as well-rounded as you can and I think that's the biggest benefit of macros but I do want to ask you if you have any go-to protein options um, that you know make it easier for you to hit your protein goal
1: yeah the one I've been doing recently which I don't know why it took me so long to get there but Greek yogurt plain Greek yogurt I will drizzle like a little bit of honey on there cinnamon It has no fat, so it is literally just a protein source. Can you
0: remember the macros?
1: I can pull it up. Do you do
0: like the um, Greek yogurt cups?
1: So I get like a big tub.
0: Okay, and then you like portion out yourself? And then I'll
1: portion it out, and it's usually like a cup of yogurt is like 20 grams of protein. That's a lot. Yes. So, and I will use it like midday as a snack, because I like to snack between lunch and dinner, and it's kind of that thing that's like, it's a little sweet. But it's a lot of protein and it keeps me full through till dinner.
0: That's a great recommendation. And yeah. I like if you can tell I'm surprised about how much uh, protein is in Greek yogurt because I don't like Greek yogurt. So it's not something that I personally incorporate into uh, my meals. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, it took
1: me a little bit but I like put put stuff on it. So I'm not just eating. Yeah, that's fair. I mean,
0: plain Greek yogurt is pretty tart. It's like sour cream. Yeah, (laughs) it's not the best. Um, but I'm a big fan of stevia, which is a yeah, it's a well what they say it's a natural sweetener. I mean there's so much controversial science on sweeteners, but I just know that I like stevia. So in the past when I did used to eat yogurt. I would put stevia in it, which would make it sweeter without adding any calories. And mm. I really like that. Um, but okay, so one of your go-to protein options is Greek yogurt. What else? Greek yogurt.
1: Um, the other thing I did, because I got really busy and I also, when I started lifting heavier, I had to eat more before the gym. And I go to the gym in the morning. So eating before the gym was tricky. So what I would do is do a, um, a smoothie and I really did my best to stray away from supplements. Like I really didn't want to become dependent on protein powder, but I think it's fine like to use a little bit to supplement because honestly getting in your protein through natural sources, it's really hard. So what I do is, um, frozen strawberries, frozen bananas, a crap ton of spinach, and then I'll throw in, um, protein powder and like a little bit of almond milk. And that's like my pre-workout, um, my pre-breakfast breakfast thats what I call
0: it. I like that. Yeah. That sounds amazing.
1: Because I sneak in vegetables too because I do have a hard time. I think you're supposed to have veggies with every meal and I have a hard time with that. So I just throw a ton of spinach in there and you can't taste it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i not a huge fan of vegetables myself. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah, and so smoothies are definitely one way that are so easy to kind of like sneak them in. Um, and I, I feel like spinach is such a good go-to because when you blend it, I mean you can add – just handfuls and handfuls of spinach and with protein powder and fruits and everything else it's pretty much not you can't taste it uh-huh. it's you it's not not detectable at all so if you are someone that has a difficult time getting in vegetables i would definitely say adding um spinach to your smoothies so easy and like Katie said an easy way to get in protein because you can just add in a scoop of protein powder Pick a flavor that you like. You know, if you're not a big chocolate fan, you can go for vanilla, strawberry. There's, I mean, they have a million in one protein powders out now. There's bound to be a flavor that you're going to like. Um, I am a big fan of Quest protein powders Mm. because I don't feel like they have the protein powder aftertaste that a lot of protein powders do um i don't know what brand do you use and do you like it
1: yeah i use optimum nutrition okay um and i love it it's like vanilla ice cream flavored or whatever
0: oh that sounds good <laughs> it's just vanilla okay it's just vanilla. well i like how they add the ice cream yeah it. that like, just makes it know. more
1: fancy yeah. you know what i mean
0: <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's going to be, there's bound to be a protein powder that you'll like. So I would just say, really don't be afraid to experiment with different things. Um, a lot of companies also just give out or they they'll sell like small samples mm-hmm. of protein powders. So you don't have to commit to a huge tub and then, you know, be like, oh crap, I don't like this flavor. And now I have this huge tub of protein powder. What do I do with it? So scope out if the company that you're interested in sells these small samples so that you can actually just try a bunch to see what you like. Um, For me personally, um, I'll give you some ideas of my go-to protein options. But obviously, for us, we're not vegetarian or vegan, although I used to be. Um, But I mean, my biggest go-to really is just incorporating a protein source, so a meat source every meal. I am really on a 96% lean ground beef kick right now, but I like 93% to 99% ground turkey. I like salmon. I like tilapia. Um, I like shredded tr- chicken breast, which I always get pre-made because uh, for some reason, I don't like cooking chicken breast. Everything <laughs> yeah. else is fine to me, but I just don't like cooking chicken breast. So I'll just get that pre package. I'll get it unseasoned so that it's literally just chicken breast, nothing else added. Um, I like Quest protein bars and especially because they're high fiber. So personally, they keep me full. Hmm. But Quest has also come out with this Hero protein bar. And if you're not a typical protein bar lover because of the chalkiness, I really urge you to try the Quest Hero protein bars because they taste like Honestly, to me, they taste like candy bars and their macros are so good. So I really would recommend that you try that. Um, I also know a popular one that I don't personally like, but I know so many people rave over is Bear Bell Protein Bars, which you can get from Trader Joe's. It's spelled B-A-R-E-B-E-L-L and then protein bars. Um, So those are just a few things that I personally like. And then, like I said before, I like the Quest Protein powder, and then I will just throw that in with ice, a little bit of water, and half a frozen banana. That's Mm. pretty much, I think that's what, like 150, 160 calories, so next to nothing. And when you blend it, it comes out in an ice cream consistency because of the ice and the frozen banana, and it's delicious. For me, and I think for a lot of people, the texture of food makes a huge difference in how you enjoy it, and I love ice cream consistency and if you like ice cream consistency i would definitely recommend freezing your bananas mm-hmm. split it in half first and then freeze that in like a tupperware because once it's frozen it's going to be really hard to break apart and then you just put that into a blender
1: i do that too yeah it's, it's oh it's amazing yeah.
0: but you want a high powered blender because uh frozen bananas are really hard to cut up and i've broken so many <laughs> blenders from this though um i personally use i i wish i had the the name on hand but it's a ninja like hand powered blender i would just google blenders good for crushing ice and frozen fruit and then see what you can find on there i think i picked the best ratings on
1: amazon i love my ninja Do you have the Ninja too? Yeah.
0: It's so good at cutting up frozen things. And you really just don't want to mess up your blender if it's not supposed to handle frozen fruit because I promise you it will, it'll burn the, what, the engine? And it'll break. Like, I've broken (laughs) so many. So just... Um, I would, and I, I, the reason why I never went for like the frozen ones is because they were a bit more expensive, but I've realized, Hey, I've broken and paid for so many cheap blenders. I might as well go yeah. for the real thing. Like, let, come on, you know, so just some ideas there. And I know we were talking before we were recording about like how you had felt that not, you didn't want to eat prepackaged foods because you know you just hear like it's not healthy you should eat whole foods you should eat things that grow out of the ground right and i um, i think you were telling me that your your stance on that has changed a little
1: well i just i'm, I'm freaking busy man and it is unrealistic Shit, too busy. i know i know and it's <laughs> it's truly unrealistic to think i mean if you can do it great i did it for a little bit where i was cooking whole foods and really sticking to that like i think probably the first year because i was just really freaking strict on this thing um, right now I'm in just in a place in my life where I, I just, I'm tired. <laughs> like I just don't want to do it. So I think there are packaged foods that are really great. So I think Viv mentioned shredded chicken. There's this brand called Del Real. Um, and it's just tubs of pre-cooked, pre-shredded chicken. It's no flavor, no seasoning. It's literally just shredded chicken breast. It cooks in like three minutes. You can put it in tacos, you can put it on salad, you can put it in a bowl, you can literally put it on everything. I think you put it on like breakfast tacos or something, right?
0: Yeah, I do. I mean, I pretty much eat tacos for every meal now because yeah. I just love tacos. Um, I personally switched over to the Good & Gather brand from mm. Target because the Del Real was like watery and I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Good & Gather, I think it's a bit more expensive as Target is, all of their freaking products are, but it it's not watery. Um, So I switch over to that. But yeah. yes, I do the tacos.
1: Yeah, so that – I do, like, have some protein bars on hand. I did just Google those Quest Hero Bars, and my God, they look really freaking They're good. They're delicious. They look like those um cereal bars from when you they were a kid. They taste like yeah. cereal bars. They're so good. I And I I'm just, looking at Blueberry Cobbler. I'm like, I think – you need to be sponsored by Quest, by the way. I really do. This is not an ad. We wish it was. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: But I just – I love all their products. Uh, but
1: my boyfriend, he does not like
0: protein bars, and I had him try the Kira ones, And he was surprised how good they were. So if that, hopefully that is like a, um, what, like an ad for anybody who doesn't, (laughs) who doesn't typically like protein bars. That's
1: me. actually. try.
0: Yeah. Okay. Katie is a perfect example, but try the hero. See if you like it. I just think they're phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. So I do that. I, um,
1: I'm trying to think what else packaged I get. Um, you do snacks? Do you do? I do snacks. I there was a point where I was really on mozzarella sticks, like the um from when you were a kid, like string cheese. I was like all about that. I hate cheese. Oh my god, I'm a big cheese guy, girl. (laughs) But because mozzarella is actually fairly high in protein and low in fat, it's like the lowest fat cheese. Um, so I was doing that. I think people like those like baby bell cheeses, those like little circular ones.
0: The one with the cow.
1: Yeah, and then I really like rice cakes. Again, this probably all sounds really boring, and it's not the most packaged of foods. Have but you ever had
0: the flavored rice cakes, or do you go for the plain No, rice no, cakes?
1: I do caramel. I'm all about it. Okay,
0: there you go. <laughs> all about the yeah, caramel that's rice not plain. cakes. Dude, flavored rice cakes are the shit. I did. Um, that's where it's at.
1: The cheddar ones, they taste like puffy Cheetos.
0: They're so <laughs> good. All the flavored ones from Quaker are bomb.
1: And they actually have really good macros. Yeah, I was they're very great surprised.
0: macros. I am a huge fan. I haven't had them in a while, but oh my God, I remember when I was prepping for my shows. Yeah. That was like all I would eat. They satisfied my snack cravings so much.
1: I'm that girl who like with music, movies, food, like I'll get on a rotation and I will just binge. So like right now my thing is like caramel rice cakes. So until I'm tired of that, that's my jam for now, but we'll see what I move on to.
0: I love it. Yeah, I'm totally the same way. I'm thinking of the prepackaged snacks that
1: I do. I mean, I seriously eat half of my diet
0: is like quest products <laughs> um because well the big thing with quest is that they put a lot of like they they're uh i don't think they're a keto company but i believe the owner or founder does is a proponent of keto so all of their products are hmm. low carb or if they are not technically low carb they are high fiber and why i like that is because the fiber is keeps me full for so much longer and i have a big appetite so the key to me staying on track with my macros is managing my hunger and i would say that's for anyone like if you're not hungry then it's pretty dang easy to not overeat but when you do get hungry and when you're craving things like that is when you know things can go a little bit haywire so for me i love quest products because they are so high fiber. Now I know that there are some people. Who have like sensitive digestive systems. That can't handle all that fiber. Uh, which I mean it's totally fine. If it's not for you it's not for you. But if you don't have those issues. I would definitely definitely just recommend trying Quest. If you haven't. Um, but I like Not Quest. sponsored. Yeah not sponsored. <laughs> oh I just discovered these ice cream bars. That are only 100 calories. They're delicious. They are Yasso. Y-A-S-S-O. Mm. Um, and I believe they're uh, marketed as Greek yogurt bars but they honestly taste so close to ice cream bars I love them and my thing is that I always want to have dessert after every meal whether it's breakfast lunch dinner I always want to have something sweet after my normal meal and the challenge for me has been finding low calorie not super high in sugar foods that can satisfy my big sweet tooth and that has been absolutely one of my go-tos but um I would look into the Yasso ice cream bars Mm. if you like ice cream because they do have different flavors
1: I have a controversial question for you oh yes what do you think of this trend of like high protein ice cream have you tried them like the halo top and the I think target has one too through good and gather or I think they call it favorite day but what do you think of those or have you tried them
0: I have tried them. I definitely think that just macro-wise, they are a better alternative to normal ice cream. Um, But I think, again, a lot of these products have a lot of fake sugars Mm -hmm. in them, which can cause stomach upset. I know for me, I've had like a whole tub of the ice cream before and had definitely some stomach upset, I would tell you. But I would just say that every... Because like I don't think that... I think, yes, they're a great way to manage your calories and your macros. Am I going to say that they're healthy or that they're equivalent to fruit and vegetables? Absolutely not. But at the end of the day, it's it's kind of like picking the one that's least worst. Mm. So if you are going to give me a pint of Ben & Jerry's that's like 1,200 calories for the whole thing in comparison to a pint of Halo Top that's 300 calories, I'm going to pick the pint of Halo Top personally. Mm. But I also, and this is a huge thing, I also am a volume eater. I like to eat a lot. I like to eat like half the tub of the ice cream, right? There are some people who are very good at portion control. And if you are, if you're listening to this, you're like, honestly, I'm not an overeater. I like, I'm really good at portion control, then I don't think there's anything wrong with sticking to your normal foods. It's just like your normal ice cream tubs or your normal whatever. Um, It's just learning how to portion control. But I know that there are a lot of people out there that, again, they like to eat a large quantity of food. So when you're going to give me two tubs of ice cream where one has literally four times more calories, I'm going to choose the one that has less. And that's just my personal opinion. This is not my – I don't think – again, this is not like my Oh, what's healthier – I would say that I would say they're probably both equally um, not healthy for you. I would say I like to judge healthy based on how many ingredients it has. Mm -hmm. So like there's like a lot of natural ice cream out there that you can make yourself from milk. And it's not necessarily low calorie, but they just doesn't have so many additives. And I'm a really huge fan of that. So that's a long story short to say there is no (laughs) one answer to it. But I do think your body will tell you what it prefers because I know a lot of people who have Halo Top and they get – they just feel so terrible. I think that's a really great way of your body telling you like, hey, this is not healthy for me. Like this doesn't work for my body. So I'm just such a huge advocate of listen to how things – like how do things feel? How do you feel? How does your stomach feel? How's your energy levels after you eat something? Because I really think that's a huge telltale.
1: I just – I'm so curious cuz I feel like it's a trend these days like and I don't know if people are consuming Halo Top for the protein or if it's an alternative or they think it's healthy. I think it's probably that they think it's healthy. But again, I think it's totally personal preference. Like I stray away from it because have of you ever the tried additives. It? I have tried it. I one don't love the taste. Okay.
0: I mean, it's not it's definitely not as good as ice cream. Let's be and real.
1: And I'm someone that's like if I'm going to indulge, like if I'm going to give myself ice cream right now, I'm going to give myself ice cream. Like
0: the real thing. Yeah, yeah because I don't
1: fair it is not worth it to me to like kind of like it and then you know it's like wasted calories in my mind so like if I'm if I'm craving dessert I'm gonna do it but I'm also someone who can have one scoop and be okay or like even just a spoonful and like that satisfies that little taste so uh, yeah and the, the additives in it scare me I think it's totally chemical sometimes I
0: think that having low calorie like ice cream or products do justify people. Overeating because you're yeah yeah, binging because it's like oh my gosh you know this is so low calorie so I can eat a a bunch of it so I will say that I can definitely respect the the mindset of have the real thing and just eat in small quantities you know but that advice is definitely personal based on you you know and I know for me that it really depends on the day there are some days where I'm like I'm gonna have the real thing. And there are other days where like I do want a good handful of ice cream and I want it to fit in my macros. So I think it's just very personal. But at the end of the day, I really do believe that if you are just going to have something that even if it's low in calories, even if it has, you know, quote unquote, good macros, if it just has a bunch of chemicals and additives, your best bet is to eat as little of it as possible because I think we all know that it's not, it's not going to enhance your health, right? It's not going to enhance your health. I can't say for sure if it's going to ruin your health, but I truly don't believe it's going to enhance it.
1: Yeah. I think it's just a question like macros, I think give you that freedom and flexibility. So it's like, if you want to eat a tub of ice cream, do that. Or if you'd rather, you know, eat a ton and not leave yourself room. Like when I was cutting, I was more concerned about being full throughout the day because I had very limited calories, right? Like, so I was more concerned about consuming enough throughout the day rather than having a big dessert. So I would, I would plan in a single square of a graham cracker. And, but at that time I was like, oh my God, that's basically like a slice of cake. But if you're at a point in your life where you're like, okay, that ice cream is more important to me or that, you know, those big desserts, like I think our, our purpose in talking about these things is like, you can have it. You just have to make it work and you have to prioritize and fit in what you care about the most. So, It's an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I know you were talking – I think this was before the podcast started rolling. But you were talking to me about, like, you had different Mm non-negotiables. And I remember you saying graham crackers was one of them. (laughs) Like, you wanted to have graham crackers after – when was it?
1: Just when I was cutting. Well, I had gone without dessert for so long. Like, when I first started cutting and was, like, really down to, like, very low macros, I was like, you know, it's just impossible. I can't indulge in anything – I was almost at that point where I was like, if I taste a bite of something sweet, I'm going to go off the rails. Like, it is going to cause me to just, like, forget everything and I'm just going to want to binge on all this stuff.
0: Okay, I you know what? I do want to make a comment on that because you said now how you can have a scoop of ice cream and be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason for that is because you are not in a calorie deficit. You are not in a weight loss phase. You are not cutting... So your hunger levels and your craving levels are so manageable because you are already eating a lot. And I think it's important to take into consideration when you are losing weight, when you're in a calorie deficit, you are naturally going to have higher hunger and craving levels. So that's when it becomes more difficult to, yeah, I'm just going to have a scoop of ice cream. So really take into consideration where you're at in your journey. Like there's nothing wrong with being hungry and having higher craving levels. Like there are certain phases of the journey and it just is what it is. I don't like to make things good or bad. It's just the choices that you've made. You've decided, hey, I want to lose weight. I need to drop my calories. I'm going to have more hunger and cravings and just figure out how can I make that easier for me. But I do just wanted to, to comment on like, hey, Katie is in a bulking journey. She's eating a lot. And so like for her, she doesn't need to go to the low calorie thing. She doesn't need... And then like when she does have... More indulgent foods, she doesn't feel the need to binge or go crazy because she's not dieting, mm-hmm. you know. So that was like off topic, but I just feel like it's important to make a comment because it is a great because, distinction. You've had two, you've had two experiences with that.
1: Yeah, and I just so like back to the Graham cracker. Like I just remember I had found that that was something that satisfied me, didn't spiral me into like I need to eat the whole. Like, I'm not going to eat 15 graham crackers. Like, I don't care enough. But it was just enough for me to feel okay and, and not feel like I was spiraling out of control. So that's why I ended up on graham crackers. It was, like, something that fit in my macros. So, again, it's just an example of, like, I found that it fit in my plan and it satisfied that craving. So, like, like Viv, if you need dessert after every meal, you need to find that thing that acts as something sweet. Like, maybe it's a handful of blueberries. Like, maybe you can trick your mind into that, right? Like, I used to eat, like... Ten chocolate chips, like it sounds, so small when you think about it. But in that time, it's like the most amazing thing in the whole wide world.
0: Yeah, I I am so happy you brought up the blueberry thing because I used to do that. Yeah, and it really does satisfy a sweet tooth. Like
1: frozen blueberries.
0: I never had frozen, amazing. but that sounds bomb. Amazing. So I want to I want I want to tell you this thing on cravings. When you are craving something, let's say salty or sweet, and you think that this one food that you're kind of fixating on is what you want I would encourage you to be open-minded to trying something else that's in the same realm so like for example if you're craving chips try to go for I don't know let's say like salty rice cakes because you'd be surprised at how well they can satiate your salty cravings even though you feel like well I want chips you'll be surprised at how much your cravings go away once you fill up on something that's similar, maybe not exact, but similar. And even though it's not exactly what you wanted, your cravings will go away, which is ultimately what we want, right? Same with the sweet. Like, I remember thinking at times when I was cutting, like, oh my gosh, I really want a cookie or I really want ice cream. And what I would do is I would have fruit. Mm -hmm. Was that what I wanted? No, but it was sweet. And I was craving something sweet. And then after I would eat enough fruit to fill up, I'd, I'd realize, oh my God, I don't even want the ice cream or the cookie anymore. So even though that wasn't necessarily what I was craving, I was open-minded enough to try something else that was in a similar, you know, like whether it's sweet or salty and then that would actually get rid of my craving. So if you are somebody that deals with cravings or like you get fixated on a certain food, I'd urge you to find a healthier version or a lower calorie version of what you're craving and just see if that helps take away some of the, uh, you know,
1: the cravings. Because I know for me, that really helps. And the other thing that maybe you know, maybe you don't, but a lot of the times what they say is like, if you think you're craving something or you think you're starving, you might be thirsty. So something I started to do is I have a bubbly water with every meal. And one, it kind of fills you up a little bit because the carbonation kind of tricks your body. I get flavored. So again, it kind of tricks you into thinking it's, juice or you know something sweeter so I would do like a berry flavored carbonated water and it sounds so sad sharing it but like it really does kind of curb that that craving and sometimes it's like okay yeah I wasn't hungry I was just bored or I was just thirsty or I was just something else and it deters you away from going for the cookie if you can't have it
0: yeah the bubbly waters are absolutely a game changer for me too I actually always have a bubbly water b-u-b-l-y Um, I have the, I think it's a strawberry, but I have that before I have any meal Mm -hmm. because, like Katie said, the carbonation that bubble actually will fill you up. It'll make you a bit more full, so that when you actually get to your meal, you're not starving and you're not just pour or scarfing down a higher portion than like you normally would. And really, it's so important to understand that the key to managing your hunger or just hitting your nutrition goals, it's managing your hunger. And one of the ways that you can do that is by filling up on something that's lower calorie or no calories that fill you up first and then before you get to your meal. So because we all know that if we go into a meal starving, we're probably going to overeat mm-hmm. because we're just not in a rational state of mind. So whether that's carbonated water, whether that's just plain water. Um, I like sparkling ice caffeine drinks caffeine is also it naturally suppresses your appetite so I like that when I'm cutting Um, there's so many different things Um, or one of my clients she was one of the things that I suggested to her that she really liked was eating her vegetables in a meal before so like she doesn't love vegetables but she would incorporate into her meals I said you know what let's Split up your actual meal from your vegetables. And what I want you to do is put your vegetables in a bowl or a plate and just eat those first. Like, it may not be the most enjoyable thing. That's fine. Eat them first so that you are more full. So when you get your to your actual meal, you're not going to overeat. And you're going to feel satisfied once you're done. So that's a little, I guess, like macro hack that you can also take into your journey. Um, I know so like I'm looking at the time as we're recording it's a bit longer (laughs) than but I just feel like you know there's just so many tips that me and Katie have used that we found so helpful and we want to give them all to you Um, but I kind of want to summarize a few of the things that we talked about like some other tips we want you guys to know and then Katie if you have anything that you want to like touch on don't be afraid to interject Um, but I know for Katie like especially in the beginning for her planning ahead right like planning ahead planning your meals before you eat them is going to be a surefire way to either stay on track or if you track on the fly and you track after you eat it's going to be a surefire way to honestly not hit your macros to have to like I don't know I guess I want you to explain more in your words because obviously this is like your experience
1: well yeah no I I just think planning ahead like we said in the beginning it's like put in the effort in the front end and it will take away the excuses or the option to to not follow your plan like when I'm not tracking ahead of time there's too much room for me to snack or for me to eat something that will throw the plan off so I just recommend like sitting down at the end of the night you put 10 minutes into my fitness pal and you'll plan what you're eating tomorrow And you have a guideline. I'm really good at following rules. I'm really good at following plans. And this is just a way of saying, Katie, this is what you get tomorrow and that's it. And if for some reason you need to deter from your plan, if you're eating out for whatever reason, you can be flexible, but you at least have a guideline to go forward. And it just takes out a little bit of the guesswork for you.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And this is what I actually used to do when I was meal prepping. I would always plan ahead. Like I said now, I can cook on the fly. I can I can make my meals right before I'm going to eat them. But with that being said, I do still plan my meals. I don't plan a day in advance. I just plan for like I, – I log in that meal before I eat it, before I make it to make sure that I'm giving myself enough room for the rest of the day. So, like, so for example, if I'm craving something sweet and I know that I want to have like an extra dessert for a meal, right – I'm gonna plug that in before I eat it so that I am giving myself enough carbs for dinner so that I'm not just having like just protein for dinner and it's like a miserable meal. And so, what pre tracking does is let's say, again, I'm craving something sweet, I enter it in, but I realize, well, if I eat this now, then like my dinner is gonna be so minuscule. So, it helps me make more educated choices where I go, okay, you know what? I'd much rather have these carbs for dinner and I already have a good amount of carbs for this current meal. So I'm just going to take this out and I'm going to allocate it for to dinner so that I can have a more well-rounded meal throughout the day. So like that's one of the huge benefits of pre-tracking and planning ahead is that you're not screwing yourself over for later where you're like, oh my God, I had all my carbs and fats for the day and now I only have protein for dinner you know and it it just it prevents that because you can already see where those pitfalls might be so the next thing I wanted to talk about is tracking the little things tracking your condiments your oils all those things that you use now I want to say most seasonings you don't need to track like salt pepper herbs all of that you don't need to track that Um, unless you are watching your sodium that's a different story but like just calorie wise you don't need to track that But condiments and any oils you use are generally very high in fat and sometimes carbs. So always tracking that is so important. Um, What condiments slash oils do you like typically use?
1: Well, so something that shocked me, or I don't know why it was so shocking, but when you're cooking, like I used to cook with a ton of olive oil. It was like you have to, you know, grease your pans, do all this stuff that adds an incredible amount of fat to your meals. And if you struggle with fat, which I did, um, add olive oil in. It's a very healthy source of fat. It's great, but swap it to cooking spray and you're going to be much better. I use coconut oil spray right now. That's my thing. I used avocado oil spray for a little bit. You can do olive oil spray, whatever. I would just say oil is like a huge thing. Like even if it's just to put it in the pan to saute your vegetables, you're adding that fat to your meal. So make sure you're tracking it. And then I would say like sugar-free... Sub your condiments for sugar-free. I, I hate sugar-free items. I'm like that weirdo that's like afraid of aspartame and the fake sugars and all of that. But I do do it for like ketchup and barbecue sauce because it decreases the carbs pretty heavily.
0: Well, I mean, you probably don't need to do that now, though. Not now. Because your carbs are so high. Yeah,
1: but when I was cutting.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense.
1: And um, hot sauce.
0: I pretty much always go for sugar-free condiments. I am definitely not a... I'm not scared of, like, the sugar-free stuff. I drink Diet Coke. Um, I, yeah, I and I feel, I guess for me, I there's just so much n- conflicting research, and I just go for what feels good for me. Um, so I think, I love that we're both talking about this because I think it just shows two sides where you just have to pick what feels most true and best for you. Um one tip I have for tracking oil sprays is I track it by the seconds. Mm-hmm. So like I literally just try to do a five second spray and then I'll track that in. And in my fitness pal, if you search coconut oil spray, you you'll probably find one. You should be able to, if you go down the list where the serving size is based on a, the second, uh, the seconds that you spray. And that's personally how I track it because like you can't really weigh the amount of oil spray that you use on a pan. That would be, next to near impossible at least i think um okay so as we're going to list the next one i want to talk about and this is going to be more um for my experience since katie i'm assuming you probably don't do a lot of zero calorie products Mm -mm. um but zero calorie products for me so help me stay on track So like I said, I have Diet Coke when I go out to restaurants, when I, like me and my boyfriend, we love going to the movies. So like if I'm craving something sweet, I'll just do a Diet Coke. It has no calories and it satisfies my thirst and like sweetness. So that really helps. Um, Again, like I said, I really like the sparkling ice caffeine drinks because the caffeine in there really helps me stay full. Um, it's only five calories a can, so it's not technically zero calorie, but I like that. I like adding stevia, which is a, what they call a natural sweet sweetener to a lot of my meals. I'll add it to my oatmeal to make it sweeter. I'll add it to my smoothies to make it sweeter. Um, I'm trying to think where else I add it. Um, oh, PB2. It's Mm -hmm. a powdered peanut butter, so it's much less calories. I believe it's 60 calories for two tablespoons. I will actually add stevia to that to make it a little bit sweeter. As you can tell, I have a huge sweet tooth. (laughs) So like I've had to become really creative on how to manage my sweet tooth without going crazy. And zero calorie products have really helped me in that arena. Um, There is an argument for zero calorie products actually increasing your cravings. And I can definitely see that because your body gets used to whatever you give it. So like if I'm eating a lot of sugar, that's what my body's gonna get used to so I would say use the zero calorie products and the sweeteners sparingly and only as needed like if you really want something sweet then add it in but if you feel like hey I don't really need this sweeten, I could totally go without it I would say skip it but I just want to tell you my experience so that you know hey like there is a fitness coach out there who is not anti sweeteners or whatever um anti-diet sodas because i just feel like there is no one size fits all but that's just my personal opinion any thoughts
1: i mean i avoid them but i'm just weird i grew up with a mom who's like totally freaked out by no i don't think that's fake sugar so. i don't think that's
0: weird i i can totally see why it is a chemical it's man-made i can see why there's there's a lot of caution around it you know
1: I also just have less of that sweet tooth I think because I cut it out and again like you just said you get used to what you're giving your body so yeah did and, you used to have a sweet tooth yeah I mean I I was that person that like would eat a healthy meal and immediately be like I have to have a piece of cake or like you know like immediately yeah. you need that sugar and because I was not used to that healthy food so when I got used to it And this is a good point to make. When you cut it out completely, the next time you have it, it is like drastically sweeter. It is your taste buds change, right? So if you're somebody doing zero calorie or those, the, what are we calling them? Fake sugars, alternative sugars. um, The more you give yourself, you're going to get used to it. And then your baseline is going to increase. And to get that pleasure, you might have to keep increasing it. So I would just keep your eye on that. Again, it's not, not bad, but just.
0: It's no, it's true, and I can definitely attest to that because I've experienced that myself. Like when I decrease my sweeteners, I crave it less. Like the first few days, I mean, honestly, it's like it's kind of like a drug. Like when you're addicted to, I don't know, like cocaine or heroin or whatever people get on. (laughs) Like there's a, I don't really know how that works, but I know that there's like that. I know that when you You have, you need more. Yeah, exactly. There's that adaptation, and it's totally the same with fake sugars. Or any sugar. Um, So just be mindful of that. Because like I, you know, everything we advocate here is balance, But also different things work for different people. And you have to just test and try things out. And, you know, kind of be more mindful of like, hey, does this feel right for me? You know? But, um, okay, so we are about to end this podcast. I know we've been going on a lot. But the last thing that I did want to end this with that Katie actually brought up is planning in your treats and knowing what your non-negotiables are. And I think this one is so important because I feel like we kind of default to, oh, well, this is like what I'm told I should do. So I'm just going to completely change my lifestyle so that I follow, you know, what is like the most healthy or the best diet. But we forget that, hey, we still have these cravings for certain things. And so me and Katie both have our non-negotiables that we figure out how to fit in. And one of mine is I always like to have a glass of wine when I go out to eat. So I figure out, okay, if I'm going to have this glass of wine, I'm going to figure out how to fit that within my macros and adjust everything else that I'm getting. Um, I also, with that wine, I usually like to order dessert too. So what does that mean? If I'm going to order dessert and a glass of wine, that means i have less room to play within my main meal which is totally fine so i usually always get something very light like i'll literally just get a piece of salmon or i'll just get some kind of like lean protein or lean meat entree that they serve without any additional stuff if they have other things on that menu i'll just ask for it not to be included because i know that i want to dedicate most of my macros to my dessert and my wine and that's just my personal preference um, Katie, what are your non negotiables? Coffee creamer.
1: Have oh, to have it. Love I know it. That. Oh my god, a love So when I first started cutting and when I tried whole 30 forever ago, like I I think there's a stigma around coffee creamer just being so bad. Um, so it was something where I just like I was started drinking black coffee, but then I was miserable and coffee, I love coffee. Coffee is a big part of my day. Viv knows I bring my Starbucks every time I come over here. Um it Wait, is-
0: yeah, you do, where is it?
1: I had it earlier this morning. I um, know. I know. Okay. I know. okay. <laughs> we're, we're recording later in the morning. Um, But but it's just, it's something I love. I love it. Um, and so I just realized I can fit it in and it makes me happy. And like, I think that's really important. So coffee creamer.
0: I like that. And I like that we both have our own little like vices because it just goes to show that nobody is like, nobody craves just whole foods and vegetables <laughs> all the time. And... Like, if you are someone that eats, you know, chips or cookies or ice cream or candy and you're just like, oh my God, this is a bad habit. Nobody is perfect. It's just learning, okay, how can I make these cravings or like this tendency that I have? Clearly for me, it's a sweet tooth. How do I make that work for me? How do I make that work within my goals? And when you ask yourself that question versus, oh my God, like I have to cut all this out. When you ask yourself, how do I make this tendency I have work for me? Your mind becomes a lot more creative and you will actually start to enjoy your healthy lifestyle, but you have to ask yourself the right questions. You can't tell yourself, oh, well, you know, science says this is bad, so I'm just going to cut it out, even though that sounds awful or this sounds like the best workout that I have to do, but I, I hate doing that. So, you know, this just sucks. Figure out how to make it work for you. There are a million ways to do something. And so it's just about are you going to be creative enough to figure out a way that works for you and your lifestyle. I feel like I've been talking um <laughs> through most of this podcast so
1: like I don't know if no, you want to end good. it out
0: I don't know if you have any, like, last-minute parting words. <laughs> no, or- I just
1: think it's important to talk about. I think food is one of those things. Again, like you said in the very beginning, it is a make or break, I think. I think it's the thing people have a really hard time with. It's also something that
0: everyone has to do all the time. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, food is everywhere. <laughs> food is all around. F- food is life. I love food. Um, But, like, I just – I love talking about it because as a foodie and as someone who eats a lot and, like you said, you're high volume, you have a sweet tooth, I think we're very realistic, and yet we're we're doing it. So it's like – model, I'm not saying we're perfect, but you can model after us and know that you're going to be able to have your ice cream and you're going to be okay. And you're going to, you know, you're going to figure it out. I, the beauty of macros is that it gives you the freedom to eat what you want when you want, as long as it fits in there. I think it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. And you know, me and, me and Katie, we are both two very human people (laughs) i hope so (laughs) we're both we're both i'm like how am i trying to wear this okay we're both very human like we just because we have chosen to live a healthy life does not mean we don't succumb to the pitfalls that every single person does we as humans we all are we are wired to enjoy fatty sugary delicious foods and me and katie are not exempt from that But we are two women that have decided that we do not want to fall into society's ads and marketing by default. We want to choose what works for us. And even if that means that, yes, there's going to be treats involved, there's going to be, you know, not the most healthy foods involved, because that's what's around us, we have decided we are going to make this work for us and we are going to be intentional about what we choose to put in our body every day. And even if it's something that we know isn't the best for us, we're still going to make that work within our goals. And some days are better and worse than others. That's just how it is. That's just how every journey life, that's how it is. And there's nothing wrong with you if you feel like you have certain cravings or urges or whatever or obstacles that you're still going through trying to figure out how do I make this whole healthy eating work for me. Just understand that me and Katie have also, even though we had our we've had our own struggles and obstacles, we have we have both been determined in making this a lifestyle, in building a body that we love, in figuring out a way to make both healthy eating and Incorporating treats into our lifestyle work for us. And if we can do it, you can as well. It's again, it's just about are you really that dedicated and committed to finding something that works for you? And if you truly make it a non negotiable for yourself to figure out something that does work for you, you will find it. But I feel like that is the biggest make or break for people. It's not not having the information, it's not. Having it's it's really about are you committed to making this work finding something that works so I feel like for me that's ultimately what I want to leave you guys with um I don't know there's I mean there's so many things that we can touch on and I feel like we can incorporate it into uh, future podcasts but I really just want you to know that there is no wrong or right way to do it whatever works for you stick with that. Be confident in that. Even if someone tells you, like, that's not healthy or that's not how you should do it. If it works for you, it works for you. As you can tell, there's a lot of things that me and Katie do differently, but that doesn't mean neither way is right or wrong. It's just what works for us. So, again, I'm just like, (laughs) I feel like I'm on fire this morning, Katie. I think it's because uh, we're sitting on the ground recording this podcast and normally, like, we're on a table, we're sitting in chairs – and for some reason, I feel so at home and like yeah. so like sitting on the ground is my element. I feel like that is where I shine. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Even when I record YouTube videos, I like sitting it's on the ground. It's it's so much more comfortable. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel grounded. But anyways, as always, you know, I end the podcast with thanking you guys for listening because... If you weren't here, I mean, it would basically just be me and Katie talking to ourselves. (laughs) And we just, I mean, even if nobody listens to this, we do hope that one day somebody just finds one piece of advice that we have and are like, this is a game changer. You know, because like there's just so many things that I wish I had known earlier. And I feel like we do have such valuable tips that someone in their fitness journey can really take away. So I guess my hope for this podcast and just anyone listening is that you really figure out or get something from us that that works for you, even if it's like the smallest tip that we mention, that you find something within our advice that really helps you. Like I feel like that's ultimately both in mine and Katie's goal. Um, but with that being said, thank you guys so much for being here. I feel like every week I just get more and more excited as we do this. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye, guys.